Well, happy Sunday to you. Hopefully you're doing well. We're kicking off a series called Same But Different, and it reminds me of a game with the same name. We teach this to preschool through elementary age kids. We're developing their awareness, their, their observation skills, and hopefully helping them to become critical thinkers. So let's kind of play the game this morning. And I have two yoo-hoos. These are, I know it's a kid's drink, but man, I really, really like yoo-hoos. Um, apparently they're a good source of vitamins. So here we go. How are they the same? How are they the same? Yeah, they're both containers, okay? Uh, they're both, uh, they have circular tops and circular bottoms. It's true. Yeah, yeah, they're labeled with the brand. That's good. Alrighty, how are they different? Yeah, one is clear, one is opaque or obscure, right? One is shorter than the other. Okay, so one's tall, one's short, and then one more thing. Yeah, yeah, their opening's different. Yeah, this is a wider opening than this. Yeah, they're the same, but they're different. And at the end of the day, doing a game like that with our kids is helping them become critical thinkers. And the same goes for men and women. We are the same and we're different. And over the next several weeks, we're gonna learn how this plays out in biology, in the home, and in the church. And this series came from some feedback that we received from those who filled out the annual survey. Um, the feedback, the number one topic you wanted us to address was this. How do I respond? How do I help my kids respond? Uh, when, when my kid comes home and uh, there's a boy with a couple mo- with, with two moms or two dads or, uh, you know, they go to school with a kid who thinks they're a cat and they have a litter box. And uh, what, what do I say when uh, that girl um, who is a friend of my daughter um, thinks that she is now a boy and wants to go to the boys' bathroom. Like, how do I have those conversations? And we're going to do our best to, to help you respond. Do you guys remember, um, you guys remember the show MASH? Yeah, I, I did not like that show. I mean, that was really the only thing I was allowed to watch growing up because whatever my dad had on, we just watched. And there was a guy by the name of Klinger. You guys know Klinger? Yeah, here's a picture of Klinger. Yeah, Klinger... <laughs> wanted to get out and the way that you got out back then there was a a a code that if you cross-dressed and you had mental illness you could get out you would be kicked out of the military you would be discharged from the military and that's what Klinger wanted he did not want to be where he was he wanted to be out and so he would cross-dress in order to get out man we have come a long way Because until the 1960s, it was pretty much agreed upon in America, and it was a universal truth that men and women were biologically different. We were different from the rest of creation, men and women, which meant that we were the same, but yet, even as as the two sexes, we were different. And there was a guy by the name of John Money who, with sophistication, he was backed by Johns Hopkins, coined the term gender identity. And he believed that male and female identities were pushed on babies by society and gender was unrelated to biology. He agreed that there were some biological differences like menstruating, gestating, and lactating, but that was it. Everything else he believed was the same. In his view, male and female wasn't related to chromosomes or hormones. He would say that a boy could be raised a girl and a girl raised a boy successfully if done before the child turns three. In fact, he wrote, 
that the world might be better off if not only animals, but men were at birth castrated. Now, culture doesn't tell us that there's a backstory here. Uh, there is a backstory. And backstories matter. Context matters. He grew up on a farm with an abusive, alcoholic father who was often out of control beating him and his mom. And the perception of what it was like to be a man was broken by this irresponsible, alcoholic, abusive dad. And this is why John Money wrote this, I wear the vile mark of male sexuality. And that is why John believed that gender was a choice so that he did not become or identify like his dad. And this broken childhood led to a broken view of the world and of biology. Fast forward to today, buzzwords like gender dysphoria and transitioning have forever changed people's lives. And the tension is that we went from a small minority of biological males who felt discomfort with their sex from childhood and eventually resolved that discomfort through maybe surgery or dressing up like a, a woman to now we have biological females having gender surgeries today at a young, young age and there's no going back from that. And there are, did you know that there are twice as many female to male surgeries than there are male to female surgeries? There are several thoughts behind why this is happening. There's social, socially acceptable, abusive homes, dads unwilling to provide identity, anxiety and shame on how their bodies are developing, and then fear. There's a book um, by Abigail Schreier called Irreversible Damage. And she wrote what she believes is the reason for the gender dysphoria. She writes this, Therapists are now in effect required to affirm an adolescent stated trans identity. Young girls who may have another mental health struggle are offered puberty blocking drugs, testosterone, and ultimately mastectomies in order to enter the promised land of maleness while their parents are told that stopping them will lead to suicide. And while it's true that the suicide rate is over 50% for those female to male trans teenagers, making a life-altering decision that promises satisfaction has actually resulted in depression and attempted suicide, so that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that people with therapists would say this because it's not true. So, so my hope for us today is, is I want us to answer this question. How do we navigate this issue with empathy, wisdom, and peace? Is there a different approach that doesn't overpromise and underdeliver? Guys, I'm convinced that, that we may have an early church moment ahead of us. The early church was able to outlast the powerful, mighty Roman Empire through a different view of identity. And what they did was so attractive to those who did not have faith. And I'm hoping that this is our opportunity to have that same opportunity ahead of us. So before Jesus was God in the flesh, the miracle worker, the master teacher, the one who died and rose again from Nazareth, he was the creator. In fact, John writes this in his account of Jesus' life. He says, in the beginning, and he's referring us back and connecting that Jesus is from the first pages of the Hebrew Bible, the, our Old Testament, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's saying, man, Jesus and God have the same nature. 
he was with God in the beginning. And notice this, through him all things were made, which meant that he was creating, he was making. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And the word became flesh. So God put on flesh in the form of Jesus and made his dwelling among us. So let's see how Jesus created as we go back to the very first pages of the Hebrew Bible, our Old Testament. So God, Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, that's plural, so it's not three different gods, but three distinct persons who have the same nature. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So you have God is three in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. They operate as one with different rules and responsibilities. Now, this is how we're the same. With God in mind, God designs men and women in his image and his likeness. We're the same in the, in, the, in the fact, outside of any other created being, we reflect his image and likeness. We have a soul that is, that is designed to connect, to respond, and to relate to our creator. And in that language, men and women have inherent value and worth because we're created in the image of God. That means we are created with equality and purpose. Biologically, men and women, we have the same organs. However, this is where it begins to change, where we become different. Did you know that women have a larger nerve fiber connecting their left hemisphere to the right hemisphere of their brains? I don't know if that means y'all are smarter than us, but did you know that we have the same hormones? However, we have different ratios of hormones in our bodies. See, God created us to reflect him, but just as God is the same but different, it means that there will be different roles and responsibilities for us, men and women. But it means that sex is binary. It's male or female. It's not a social construct based on feelings or what people want for you or what you want for you. God created it. It's binary. Sexuality isn't like picking a favorite candy or color or movie. It's hardwired into our being. It's who we are. It's who we are to be. Sex is gender and gender is sex. Here's why. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. So have sex and have babies and, man, fill this thing up. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now notice this. Roll over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and every, over every living thing that moves on the ground. See, God designed it that we would reflect his image by doing two things. That we would roll over creation by giving life, right, filling the earth, and also bringing it under order, bringing it in order or bringing it under control. And this is impossible for just a bunch of dudes to do. <laughs> this is impossible for just a bunch of women to do. It, right, it takes both men and women to fill the earth and bring it under control. In their article, The Dangerous Denial of Sex, Colin Wright and Emma Hilton write this, In humans, as in most animals or plants, an organism's biological sex corresponds to one or two distinct types of reproductive anatomy. In humans, reproductive anatomy is unambiguously male or female at birth more than 99.98% of the time sex is binary. So this leads, this leads us to how men and women are biologically different. 
And man, there are so many differences, but there, here, here are six. Um, men have thicker skin by 25%. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I mean that biologically, not necessarily emotionally. Men have denser and stronger bones, tendons, and ligaments than women, which is why there's a big, a big issue with uh, biological males playing women's sports. Um, men have more muscle mass than women. Uh, men, they carry fat differently than women, right? Men carry bear bellies, right? And women, what? They, they, they carry fat in their childbearing hips. So men have pronounced Adam's apples because of a larger voice box. And that's really important. That's because, I don't know if, you, do you guys ever catch that? Do you, you guys know what was going on, what was happening? Um, there was a bear going and chasing a dog. It was recorded on, like, on a ring camera. Here, let me show it. Solomon. Yeah, isn't that crazy? See, with all this in mind, I don't want you to miss this. Women were created biologically different than men to give life. Only the ones created with the womb. And men were biologically built differently than women to bring things under control or, or, it, or in order through physical strength. Uh, Jenny and I joke that when there's a knock on our door at 2 a.m. or there's some noise happening outside that seems suspect, she kicks me out of the bed, right? I'm not hiding behind Jenny. She kicks me out. She's like, you got to protect your family, right? She goes and gets Brooke and they hide. And man, it, I'm, the last, <laughs> I'm the last defense for their lives, right? You guys remember a few years ago, you had that mass shooting in Colorado at the movie theater. It started coming out that men were on top of women, protecting them. That they were willing to sacrifice their lives. Women go down. Men protect women, right? They, they, they put them down on the floor and they shield them to protect women. We were inherently wired to protect as men. We were built differently. But feminism, man, has gone after masculinity for decades and has created a feminization of men. Like we have weak men who won't protect. Toxic masculinity, right? There's, there's predators. There's child molesters. Right? Masculinity of women. Women trying to be men. And this has created fatherlessness and a father is not providing identity to their kids. And today, feminism has pushed hard that, man, women are not well represented in jobs. But yet, here's the ironic thing with that. The push isn't honest. They're not pushing for women to be represented as welders and construction workers and farmers and logmen, loggers and linemen. They're not doing that. They're pushing for the, the white-collar jobs or, the, or being athletes. And going back to the story, man, after their decision to dis disobey, notice what God tells Adam and Eve. He says to Eve, he says, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband. He will rule over you. And we'll talk more about that in the next couple of weeks. To Adam, he said, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from in all the days of your life. 
It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. And even in the fall, it would be harder and more painful, but women would still give life, and men would use their physical strength to bring the earth under control or in order. Some have said that's the reason why God placed angels to guard the garden and a sword because Adam and the strength Adam possessed. There are, there are some core purposes of why God placed us on earth. He desired us to fill it and bring it under control. See, Greg Johnson, Johnson um, he talked about stress in men and women. And it goes back to our purpose. He observes this. Men appear to be more stressed when frustrated in goal achievement or when they feel a lack of control for their surroundings. They are stressed when frustrated in sexual fulfillment or when they sense a lack of support or respect from their wife and family. Did you notice now what he says about women? What causes women to stress? Breaches of relationships, especially within family, are particularly stressful for females the inability to have children or provide basic needs for a child are common sources for feminine stress. Women need a sense that their social sphere of significant others is intact. They find fulfillment in caring for others and meeting needs. See, this all goes back to the purposes that God designed men and women to have. God, God's design hasn't always been followed as we live in a broken world filled with people who have the human condition. And we talked about this a few months ago in our series called The Human Condition that you and I, we are born with the sin nature. We have a propensity to love ourselves more than anyone else. We have, a, we have a propensity to choose us over everybody else. And this is why whenever a man presented himself as a woman or a woman presented herself as a man, it went against creation. It went against us being made in God's likeness as either a man or a woman. See, he created you and I as he saw fit to honor him by our gender. Notice the law that God gave Moses to keep his people aligned with their binary design of creation. A woman must not wear women's clothing, nor a man wear woman's clothing. For the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. And throughout the Old Testament, man, there are stories of people groups who did things differently than Israel, which is why God set this up in their law, because as they were going into the promised land, they were meeting people groups that had a different value system than them. I mean, there are several examples of men who were castrated so they could oversee the king's harem. Plato came along 350 years before Jesus, and he said, whatever you do in your body doesn't affect your soul. Do whatever to or whatever you want in your body. And with your body, it doesn't affect what happens to your soul. And during the time of Jesus, there were men who lived in Galatia called the Galilee who dressed as women. Tom Holland describes them as this. The Galilee men described, uh, dressed as women were servants to Cybel, the mother goddess who sat enthroned amid the highest peaks of Galatia. And the mark of their submission was severing with a knife or a sharp stone of their testicles. See, there's a moment and Jesus is teaching that Matthew records as so powerful. And let me give you some context before we read it in Matthew 19. Jesus is asked by the religious leaders if it's, 
if it's lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause. And in this moment, not only does Jesus affirm the binary design of marriage, but the binary design of creation. And then Jesus could have stopped there, but Jesus kept the theme of sexual faithfulness with following, following up with the statement. And I just believe there were people in the crowd that he knew. There are people in the crowd that he knew that needed to hear what he was about to say. Not everyone can accept this statement. Only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs. Some have been made eunuchs by others. And some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. And Jesus is speaking to three different groups of people with empathy and encouragement. He's letting them know that he hears them and he sees them. Eunuchs by castration. And this was done in some cultures as biological men were placed in charge of, of harems. Right? It was a, a, a group of women that the king or the emperor would have sex with. Which means they could not produce children and they didn't marry. Then you had eunuchs by birth. This means that some were not born with their sex organs. They were intersex which means they could not produce children or, or they did not marry. And then you also have eunuchs by choice. And this meant that there were some who decided not to marry so they could be faithful to God's kingdom. And many would say Paul would be that example. But Jesus didn't turn a blind eye to what was going on or what people had been familiar with. Yet God's design was a non-negotiable to Jesus. He's like, listen, I'm your starting point, not culture, not feelings. I'm your starting point. My word is your starting point. Fast forward to now, and the further we get away from trusting Jesus's teaching and his design, we begin circling back to normalizing that sex and gender are choices. I mean, since COVID, man, there's, there's rapid onset gender dysphoria that is pushing kids to go through John Money's approach to transition. Notice what Preston Sprinkle shares. He, he shares this testimony, and um, I'll take a moment to read it. Stephanie grew up as a stereotypical feminine girl on the autism spectrum. When she was 13, she told her mom that she was transgender. Stephanie's declaration seemed to come out of nowhere. There had been no prior history of gender dysphoria, no tomboyish interest or behavior, her mother did, however, find out that Stephanie had just heard a presentation about being transgender at school, a school where more than 5% of the student population identified as transgender or non-binary. Her mother, Carol, took Stephanie to a gender clinic to seek counsel. Here's what Carol said the clinician told her. I must refer to my daughter with masculine pronouns call her by a masculine name and buy her a binder to flatten her breast. He recommended no therapy and there was no consideration of the social factors that obviously affected her thinking. I was directed to put her on puberty blocking drugs. And then she adds, I was falsely assured that these drugs were well studied and they were a perfectly safe way for her to quote, explore gender, end quote. I was told that if I did not comply, she would be at the higher risk of suicide. We've, gone a, we've come a long way since Klinger. Right? We've come a long way. 
where it was a mental illness to now it's normal. See, James White points out that the current research actually shows the following, that few of the children showed any signs of gender dysphoria to the parents growing up. Their new identities seemed to appear out of the blue. Many, if not all, of their friends at school were trans, and their coming out often followed their friends coming out as trans. Many of them became popular after they came out as trans. They engaged in heavy online and social media activity more than normal surrounding their coming out. Many of them had other mental health concerns that were not being dealt with. And then their brains are not fully developed until 25 or 26. So then it, beg- then it begs this question. If we don't have them voting, if we don't have them smoking, drinking, or enlisting because we don't believe they're, they're capable of doing that, then why in the world will we allow them to cut off parts of their body that will never grow back? And perhaps it just comes down to everyone living in their truth. And so what does this leave us? It, it, this is so important for us as parents to be involved in our kids' lives, including being in charge of how they see and use the internet and social media. Kids need boundaries. They need leadership. They need direction from their parents. And that may sound like control. But we've been given a call from God to bring things under control or bring order the debates on whether or not we can define what a woman is or what a woman isn't it's out of control and we got to bring that back into order and we're going to talk more about this next week as we talk about the family but jesus's invitation to us is the same as it was to the eunuchs to the lepers to the adulterous woman to the roman soldiers to the dishonest tax collectors the widows the rich young ruler and the fishermen And maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling as a parent, figuring out how to respond to this, or maybe you're struggling with your own sexuality. And you're like, what do I do? And his invitation to you is come, die, and live. Come, die, and live. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. It means that I have to say no to myself, no to these feelings that are outside of God's design. Taking up my cross means that I'm dying to myself every day and and what i follow jesus and whoever wants to save their life he says will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will save it i think for us we try to use our 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 smarts to sort of outwit okay i'm going to figure this out on my own and god's like no 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 i mean i've got this all set up for you and you're trying to save it and you're going to end up losing it but if you follow me you will actually find it what good is it Jesus says, for someone to gain the whole world, to gain these promises by therapists and drug companies, and yet they lose and they forfeit their very self. See, come to him with our questions, our fears, anxiety, our pain, our shame, our hurt, our resentment, because he is our creator. He knows you better than you know you. We need to die to our culture's culture's promise of happiness and our flesh's desires that are apart from God's purposes and design and and look we live in the hope of a renewed body that one day will be healed from pain we trust in his design his plan his purpose for living in a broken world filled with broken people with broken agendas because we have a savior that is able to redeem and put all that stuff back together 
So a couple of questions to think about. Why is it important to recognize Jesus as creator? So not just savior and leader of your life, but, but creator. And then who are three groups of eunuchs that Jesus is speaking to? Why does this distinction matter? And why is Jesus speaking to them? Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are incredibly thankful for Matthew recording Jesus' teaching. It's a reminder that all of us, no matter if we're a parent struggling or a counselor struggling or a therapist struggling or we are struggling with our own sexual identity, I ask that you would, you would give us the courage to say no to ourselves and say yes to our King. I ask that you would allow us to understand that you have given us identity and purpose. You've created us same but different so that we can honor you with the gender you chose for us. Father, help us to come, to die, and to live. In Jesus' name, amen.